Welcome to Transformation. I'm Don Weck from the Red River Farm Network, your host for this podcast and radio series. Our thanks to CHS Community Giving for making this Transformation podcast possible. Transformation began this past year as a partnership between the Red River Farm Network, the Minnesota Department of Agriculture, and numerous stakeholders throughout our region. In this update, our guests are Tanner Overby, who farms and ranches at Binford, North Dakota, and someone who's a pretty familiar voice to our Red River Farm Network listeners, Megan Turnquist, of course, uh, one of the farm broadcasters here at the network. Tanner and Megan are engaged and will be married this summer, but on January 30th of this past year, both of their lives changed forever. Tanner, uh, tell us about that day. So it was colder than heck that day and probably 30, 30 something below without the wind chill and just one of those deals I was kind of checking things over. I mean, when it's cold like that, nothing wants to work the way it should. So I was actually greasing a few things because it had been a while and just one of those routine things and whatever. So um, the one the where my problem came up is there's a bearing that was kind of hidden by a chain. And it was something I knew I shouldn't have been doing. But at one of those deals, you're in a hurry, you're cold. I mean, you just get it over with. So... Right. Um, what happened was I went in to grease that and the chain actually caught my glove and pulled my right hand in. And then I'm thinking out of instinct, I must have grabbed in with my left hand. And that's where um, my left wrist actually jammed up the sprocket itself. So it stopped the feed wagon. And um, luckily, I mean, if it wouldn't have, that probably would have cut my uh, hand right off. So... After that, um, like I said, it stopped the mixer wagon and the belt was squealing. And that's luckily what my dad heard. So he came out and shut it off. He came around the back of the mixer wagon where I stood. I mean, I couldn't do anything. I was stuck in there. So luckily, I say he was there and he had the wherewithal to uh, unhook the PTO shaft from the tractor. And he actually cranked me out with a crowbar. So Wow. And... It's just amazing how things can happen so quickly. Oh, just unreal. Blink of an eye. And it's one of those things you think you hear about them, you never think it's going to be you until it is. So, And then it really is a, a life-defining moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Megan, you were actually for work with the Red River Farm Network uh, in New Orleans at the time. Yes. So I had went off, like you said, to New Orleans to the National uh, Cattle Industry Convention and I had just got there. It was Wednesday morning, first day of convention. You're excited to get to work. And just, you know, Tanner and I hadn't been dating that long at the time. It had only been about six months. And so hardly any of his family members had my phone number in his phone. And I get this message from his brother on Instagram. And nowadays, you know, there's people that hack into your social media accounts. I'm like, well, that's odd for his brother to be sending me a message on Instagram. And all it said was, hey, call me. And I go, I message him back. And I'm like, well, I'm kind of busy. What's up? And he, all he said was Tanner had an accident. He's going to be okay, but they're taking him to St. Paul. Well, <laughs> then all the bells and whistles start going off in your head and that uh, adrenaline kicks in and you make a few phone calls and that's how I found out and just talking with yourself, Don, and my mom and his mom and his family and 
I just knew I had to get back to Minneapolis where he was headed as soon as I could. Do you remember much of the day, Tanner, after the accident? Or Yep, uh, actually most of it. I never actually passed out or anything. I was conscious the whole time. So um, It was so cold that day that they were they wouldn't life flight. Like they wouldn't fly the helicopters or anything. So what ended up happening is they prepped me in Cooperstown. And then they drove, ended up driving me by ambulance all the way down to Alexandria, Minnesota, where they life flighted me from there. So, so that's as far as you got when you came back from the cattle convention, Megan. You, yep. you stayed there in, in uh, the Twin Cities. Yep. No, I, I took a direct flight from New Orleans to Minneapolis, thankfully, the next morning at 7 a.m. And there I was. And, you know, living out in these rural communities, you, you don't think of the miles between, but what you figure you probably spent... Oh, eight hours in an ambulance that yeah. day. Wow. And then obviously you go right into surgery? Or? Yep. Um, I sat there maybe a half hour while they got me just prepped for surgery or whatnot. And in I went, I think it was about 6.30 at night or something. And I probably didn't get out till about 2 that morning. So. And you were in the burn unit, right? Yep, correct. Why, why the burn unit? So they were they're better equipped to handle these kind of intensive... Um, accidents or injuries or whatever you want to call it and they just thought I was probably better suited there versus anywhere else and um, really great staff there and everything I mean yeah basically like the nurses that work in the burn unit are trained to deal with very intensive wounds you think about somebody who's been burned you know that's an extra set of skills that those nurses and doctors and surgeons have because you know just the extensive injury that was done on his left arm almost all the way darn near up to the elbow um you know it was pretty badly beaten up and so he had to have you know at least one to two dressing changes a day and there was just yeah a lot that went into just caring for his injuries and making sure everything was stable and how long were you in the hospital and you had to have multiple surgeries i'm guessing yep um so we were there actually uh a month to the day and then um it ended up being well i was there oh, 12 i think right yeah 12 surgeries so 12 surgeries in the span of 30 days so i mean it was every other day it was a surgery and i mean for people who've had surgeries i mean you know how much yeah. uh, how big a toll that takes on a person so and so you're able to keep Five fingers total, right? Top yep. So I have, like you said, I have I have a full hand, but it's split between the two. So <laughs> on my left hand, I have my three middle fingers, and then on my right hand, I have my pinky and my thumb. So what's the recovery process been like? Oh, it's <laughs> it's been interesting, to say the least. Um, a lot of, right afterwards, when I finally got out, it was a lot of doctor visits, making sure my... Um, uh, my flap and everything and my skin graft on my left hand was doing well and a lot of therapy after that just trying to get mobility back in my fingers because when, when they don't move for a month at a time it's kind of I mean they stiffen up in a hurry I mean yeah. so and with as much damage that was done to that hand I mean they took a beating no no doubt so I mean it was a long process I finally got done doing therapy in September sometime from March started in March all the way till September. So, yeah, and just actually because on his left hand he's missing part of that bone, and they almost described that injury as like 
similar to an electrical burn because in the burn unit they see a lot of electricians, oil field workers that that receive very extensive damages and some of that tissue in his arm just kept melting away and you know you lose muscle, you lose ligaments, you you lose even, you know, some blood vessels mm-hmm. that help with that blood flow. So that was probably the biggest challenge was when we got home and were able to start therapy, obviously everything was very sore and, you know, just keeping that movement because even what, 12 hours after you go to a therapy session, those fingers would just start to stiffen right up. Yep. So how have you been able to, to adapt? Uh, Cause it seems like you, you've jumped right back into farm work and everything else. Yep. It's uh it's basically just my new normal. I mean, it's like, Starting all over, you just kind of relearn how to do things a little differently, and I've been actually very pleased. I was a little worried right at the beginning, but, I mean, when you have to adapt, it comes quick, so. Yeah. Was it hard going back to the farm uh, after the accident? Um, not really, actually. I, I mean, I was super glad to be home, obviously. Yeah. I mean, it was one of those deals I missed it. And um, No, it was actually a good feeling being back home and being back around the cattle and everything else. I mean... I really thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, it was some of the best medicine there yeah, is. That's the therapy you need, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's what the doctors told us when we we're hemming and hawing for over a week. Uh, when are we going to get to go home? When are we going to get to go home? Because, you know, that's the question that's asked not only by us, but people wondering how Tanner is doing is, oh, when does he get to go home? And they wouldn't give us a, a firm answer probably until a couple days before they kind of started to hint you know, they didn't want to keep us there any longer than they had to, but because they said that to you, home and healing and, you know, things you're familiar with are, are the best medicine that anybody could ever give him. Uh, it amazed me through this whole process, and obviously we were talking to Megan through the, the whole situation, Tanner, and, and she kept a lot of the folks up to date on, mm-hmm. on social media and Facebook and such. Your attitude through this whole thing really was really impressive. How did you keep up the your spirits during uh, 12 surgeries and all this kind of stuff you were dealing with? Yeah, I um I got to give Megan a lot of credit, um my family and just the surrounding community and uh, I mean it goes beyond community even. It was people I'd never met before. I mean, they were just giving me words of encouragement and I mean helping hand everyone's willing to help. I mean, everything. I mean, it's just unreal. I mean, it really, it was humbling just because, I mean, there is a lot of good people out there, honestly. So it was a, I mean, it sucked that something like this happened, but I mean, like I said before, I was lucky being from the community and where I'm at, I mean, for it to happen, they were the best group of people to be around, honestly. So, mm-hmm. Well, I know I remember his mom telling me that it was right after you come out of your first surgery, right? Um, you know, he's in and out of it, and he just asked his mom and dad because they are able to go back and see him. And he just asked him, he goes, did the cows get fed? <laughs> that was his, you know, biggest worry coming out of a, a surgery, you know, not knowing what's even happened really or what's going to happen with his hands. And his mind was already back at the farm. The attitude is uh, is really important. And, and both of you saw the community come together. You saw it on really the whole ag community came together mm-hmm. for you here yeah 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 i mean you guys i mean everyone i mean like and you guys uh, megan has a lot of connections and whatnot and knows a lot of people and i mean it was just unbelievable i mean 
I would have never dreamt, honestly. I mean, I wouldn't have. Uh-huh. So tell me, obviously nobody wants to go through something like this, but what advice would you have for somebody that's going through a, a challenge like this? Um, let people help you, honestly. And, I mean, like you say, it's hard to keep your head up in something like that, but, I mean, try to take the good, I mean, or try to take away the good, I should say, because, I mean... You could sit there and mope and feel sorry for yourself and everything else. I mean, it's just going to make everyone miserable around you, plus yourself. So, I mean, just try and, yeah, try to take the high road and um, look at the positives. I mean. Mm-hmm. Like we said, we're not going to go back and, and change the situation where, you know, we're staring at each other, sitting in this tiny hospital room, wondering, okay, well, now what? What surgery are we having tomorrow? There was a lot of unknowns, but... Like he said, we chose to take the high road and just stay positive. And there, you know, you wouldn't expect a bunch of laughs to come out or uh, memories even to come out of a hospital stay for 30 days. But we look back at some of those memories and just the little things we we still to this day find ourselves chuckling about because we had to make light of the situation. And, you know, laughter is his good medicine. Mm-hmm. Yep. And now you got big news. You got a uh, big date coming up in June. Yeah. So yes. June 13th, and it's coming quicker than I've ever <laughs> dreamt. But, I mean, that's a good thing, too. So Yeah, we, we kind of just looked at the situation. as one It's one that could have made or broke us. Like I said, we hadn't been dating for that long. And the nurses and the doctors that would come in and out of our rooms that didn't know us, they asked us, so how long have you guys been together? And we, we finally just started playing a game with some of them. Like, oh, how long do you think we have been together? And, you know, they say, oh, three, four, five years. And we're like, actually, it's only been six months. So um, just our relationship from the start, you know, we, we had personalities and interests that matched up. And the situation, like I said, could have made or broke us. And it, it definitely made us stronger. So yep. brought us closer together. Well, we're... Looking forward to celebrating all of this uh, at your wedding that's coming up. Uh, any final thoughts for folks? Like I said, I'm just so thankful for everybody that helped me out. And I mean, I mean, <laughs> I keep saying it over and over, but it just it was unbelievable. It was so humbling. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, yeah. And you're you're not one usually to ask for help or or want no. the help. So I think if you can take anything away from the situation, it's. Yeah, sometimes you just have to be vulnerable and yeah. and let people help you out. And, you know, I think it's hard it, to do sometimes. Right? It is. It yeah. is. Yeah. yeah it, it it just killed them all those days. You had to sit inside and, and miss out on chores or or, you know, miss out on calving. You know, it was calving season when we got home. And I, I just kept telling them, you know, there's forever amount, endless amounts of calving seasons ahead of you. Uh, you have to miss one that's okay you have good help you have good family good friends and you know just sometimes it's okay to ask for help or or let others help you our thanks to tanner and megan for sharing their story with transformation we're bringing awareness to the issues of farm stress and mental health and those issues can be found in many different avenues it could be a farm accident or it could be financial stress whatever the case there is help available The Minnesota Farm and Rural Helpline is free and confidential. All calls are answered by trained staff and volunteers. That helpline number is 833-600-2670. You can also visit minnesotafarmstress.com. 
There's also a variety of other resources available online at the Red River Farm Network website. That's rrfn.com forward slash transformation. This project funded by CHS Community Giving. The transformation partnership is between the Red River Farm Network and the Minnesota Department of Agriculture. Again, our thanks to numerous stakeholders, including the Minnesota Corn Growers Association, North Dakota Farmers Union, and North Dakota Corn Growers Association. Until next time, I'm Don Wick.